Today's Thursday. Uh-huh. And she's XTS. Let's get the plugging out of the way and get this podcast on most podcasting platforms on Apple and Android. I have a question for you. You guys remember when you could just fill up your Learjet and just go anywhere you'd like to cross the borders and not care when you come back? I don't because I don't have that experience. Who does have that experience is the guy to my right or to my left. So Larry with a Mac. That's right. He's back. Welcome, Larry. What I put up, man. I mean, I wouldn't exactly say Learjet, but <laughs> oh, okay. Um, yeah, I should I should be I should correct myself. It's a helicopter, right? <laughs> I wish, man. I wish. I don't even know if I want to be in a helicopter, but you know, <laughs> such is well, life. You can choose to use your yacht, but it's gonna take longer than a. <laughs> one day is one day, right? Uh, one day never comes from me. Yeah, anyway, uh, so what we're doing today is travel Thursday. I wonder if uh, hashtag will ever pick up. Maybe one day. One day is one day. <laughs> so why McLarry is here is because he has the experiences that I do not. And many of you that are watching this probably do have the same experiences with traveling. So who's better placed than somebody that has done a lot of traveling? As you can hear, I've done a lot of work on the intro. I've said traveling at least seven times. (laughs) So let's create a timeline. and unless my research is wrong, which means I just went on to Instagram once and checked this profile. Your journey started in South Africa, right? Yeah. From birthday to when you left South Africa, started in South Africa. And if you guys saw him in the Comedy Chiller podcast, you would know he's from... Dot, dot, dot. Cape Town. <laughs> <laughs> so, what was your first stop after South Africa, Carmen San Diego? <laughs> well, um, even though I'm from Cape Town, uh, I was born in Joburg, which I don't like to admit because, you know, oh. Joburg. <laughs> Good Joburg, yes. Good Joburg. Exactly. <laughs> But when I was, uh, I think, two or so, then my folks went back to Cape Town. So they're only in, <clears throat> in Joburg for a couple of years, when, basically, when they had me. Um, although I did have two older sisters. So Joburg, then Cape Town. Cape Town, till I was about five, uh, then to the States. So now the States is such a big place that it's worthwhile splitting up the places in the States. So... Um, Oh, this is going to be a long podcast, could you have to split up times? Well, it's, it's interesting because the first place that we landed, uh, Detroit, Michigan. Now is a bit of a crap hole, uh, but when I was there, it was still Motor City, 
um, one of the like jewels of the state, the Chrysler Corporation is based there. Um, so it was a nice place to go. And actually that's why we were there because my pops quite like this international internship kind of thing. Um, so we went to Detroit and then most of the rest of my time in the States, I was there for about five years. Most of the rest of my time in the States was spent in the South in Mississippi. Um, which if you know anything about Mississippi. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the way that came from wow, that's the thing. I have no idea either. But every time I hear people do that, it reminds me of <laughs> like my youth basically. <laughs> my daughter's actually doing that now to count, you know, when you watch your hands COVID oh. stuff. So I told her the other day, I was like, Did you know that's a place that daddy used to live? <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, and the, the wild thing about Mississippi is that that's like headquarters of the Ku Klux Klan. It's like racist central um, in the States. Yeah. It's like where, where Mississippi the, is between a rock and a hard place. It's, it's either it's, one Mississippi or two Mississippi or pick your <laughs> cotton. It's it's a mad place, dude. And we I was actually, we lived in two cities in, in Mississippi, so in Jackson and Hesburgh. Um, and I'm thinking about how how mad that is like this dude from South Africa somehow finds himself in the States and not just you in the literally States halfway around the world crazy I mean you know around that time our parents had to make some tough decisions right they were like shit the country isn't ideal so do we hang around and expose our kids to this? Do we try and make a better life for ourselves outside? Do we try and fight the system? All that kind of stuff. My folks held on for quite a long time here. Um, you know, all of our folks have like struggle stories. Sometimes I wonder if they embellish a bit. You know, they talk about tear <laughs> you know, gas. Sometimes. Okay, you sometimes. Know, you know, like throwing tear you gas. You won't say it to the face, but you know it's... <laughs> It just, I mean, I know it's true. It seems like this alternate reality, you know, where they're flipping, fighting the people and yeah, it's just mad. Um, anyway, so they hung out here for as long as they thought they needed to. And then my pops and my mom wanted to go study. Um, and of course, in South Africa. Yeah, so that's essentially what the idea was of being in the States was um giving them an opportunity to study and giving us an opportunity to experience a different culture and that kind of stuff. So we were there for about five years. Um, my folks got some degrees and then then you got to make the decision, right? And which is the kind of decision I'm facing right now, which is do you go back home and try and, you know, contribute to your country or do you try and make a life of the place overseas? And both options were viable when we uh, decided to go back home, my pops was like, I don't want my children to be raised American. I don't want them to have this kind of culture and, and, that kind of, and, and forget where they come from. So we trekked back to South Africa um, when I was about 10. And then, yeah, that was, that was wild. <laughs> that was an experience. Because uh, I started okay. school this I learned to yeah. read and write everything. So. Even though I was fully South African when I started, around that time I was probably more American than South African. So then we had to integrate back into colored society, and I had to learn about what that <laughs> meant. <laughs> I was yeah, like, okay. So, so, so at this point, I'm going to ask you: Do you spell 
the word color with a U or without the U? Oh, you for sure. And Switch I've rejected everything American <laughs> since oh, okay. that was a long time You're now. You're doing well. You're doing well. <laughs> uh, in the first 10 minutes, you pissed off everybody in Detroit and <laughs> said that you haven't acclimatized the American way of English. <laughs> this is going well. I mean, I still have a bit of a twang. So the, the, the crappy thing about having moved around quite a bit is that uh, your accent becomes non-region specific, like in South Africa, <laughs> like, where you from, bro? And in the States, like, where you from, bro? <laughs> like, you're in the UK. I hope that I sound more South African now than before, but yeah. Oh yeah, well, you didn't let the lockdown keep you. You got to a lockdown situation where you hosting laughter on lockdown SA so I guess they're welcoming you as South African store so I've, I've actually found you still have an element of South Africanness yeah of course no it's a it's a big part of who I am I mean I yeah, yeah. when we were in the states we moved around quite a lot so I mentioned the two two states mostly but in those states we moved around in cities and that kind of stuff like I've been to seven schools in my life, which is weird. Like I know a lot of people that have been lived in one place, like one school, two schools, same friends from when they were like three. I lo- I envy those people. I'm like, no nah, man, it's been it's been hopping around and stuff. Um, How did you? You went through seven schools and still went through the grades. Yeah. I mean, it people was... here in South Africa that go through seven years in the same grade. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> um, yeah, true, fair. Uh, it's, it's, look, you learn to adapt. So that's the, the skill set that I, I gained from those things is you come into a new environment and you try and learn to get friends. I mean, I wasn't <laughs> particularly good at that. I was kind of nerdy. <laughs> still am to be fair um but yeah kind of nerdy and you're so wife and kid you are the real equal equivalent of Leonard Hofstadter <laughs> of the Big Bang so you nerdy you still got married though those what that nerds got get married exactly nerds those are the times we live in now I think it's become like like geek chic you know, it's like ooh. geek chic. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, nerds have become superheroes now with those glasses, and I say that ironically because I have one of those. <laughs> do you know? Do you know, so, do you know uh, what it is yeah? with nerds? People have started to realize that, like, you know, with women, the the attraction goes in reverse. So they're at their most attractive when they're in their younger phases, probably early 20s, something like that. Uh, and then it just like degrades, right? Whereas with guys, it works in reverse because you become more financially stable, more economically viable, you can provide and therefore more attractive. Now people have sort of gotten on that nerds have skills like programming and that kind of stuff that also equally means that they can take care of you so then they're like oh hey nerds are cool and fun and weird and and also they're grateful 
right? Like, oh, oh I'm, yeah, 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 I'm yeah, not yeah, a woman. Yeah, 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 yeah. I will treat her the best I can. It's actually quite a good deal for ladies. It's only when you're younger that you don't get the benefit of uh, of your natural tendencies. But eventually you end up, you know, getting all the chicks, the jocks <laughs> uh, used to get back in the day. Now those guys are strung out somewhere, had their five-year career in whatever sport they, <laughs> they were doing. And you're still yeah. your I'm never taking these glasses off now. <laughs> I don't have the IQ of a nerd, although I'm going to keep this on just for the illusion. <laughs> just be nice. As soon as a fellow. Just be liquor. That's that's all it really takes, to be honest. Yeah. Just be liquor. Um, so, when do you think is the earliest way you noticed a need for adapting to a culture oh so americans are actually quite notorious at least from my perspective for letting you know that you're not american so you go in there and the expectation is to assimilate you know you learn the anthem you do the pledge to the flag every morning patriotism is a big 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 part of the culture um and you you quickly understand the differences between you and them so in those differences being highlighted you kind of have to make a decision you're like well do i want to be more like them and fit in and make friends or do i want to stick stay true to you know my my roots now as a young kid getting bullied and you know all that kind of stuff you want to do whatever you can do to adapt it took me a long time to be comfortable with you know like my South African heritage and and proud and all that kind of stuff. It took me coming back um, to see the contrast and all the brilliant and amazing things about being South African for me to then go. This is who I am. This is who I want to be. Um, but the need to adapt came quite early on because you were you know confronted with you're not like us. You talk funny. You do things differently. Um, you need to fall in line basically. So, from the age of 10, you, your family and yourself, well, all of you came back to South Africa, right? Yeah. And then there was like a few years, I would imagine, and then you decided you're going to take a journey to England? Yeah, well, I mean, there was some stuff in between, so... What I would call that period back home was the golden years in my mind, because that was the longest I'd ever been in one place. So back in Cape Town, uh, finished school. Um, well, I still went to a couple of schools <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> finished schools, uh, went to university. The of students. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> um, and then at UCT, so UCT was the longest I'd ever been in one institution, right? So that's why it's got a special place for me because I was there for quite a while and it, it felt like home. You know, the thing about travel, like moving around a bit is you, you're always looking for that place and it feels like home. Um, you know, they say it's where the heart is, but you know, it's, what is it? <laughs> but it really is. What does that mean? Home is where the heart is. Is home just there or do you make it? 
yeah, it's where you feel comfortable and happy and where the people that you love and support are. Um, and in your old age, that means a lot more because when you start moving, you start wondering, you know, what what is home really? So Cape Town for a while. Um, then I got a job. Uh, I moved to Joburg after university. And then, no, sorry, sorry. Before I moved to Joburg, I, my last year of articles, um, I got to do some, some traveling. So I went to the, I went to Canada actually. So I lived there for about eight months and then did some traveling around Canada and the States. So it was nice to have the contrast of being there as a child and not, not really experiencing it through my own, from my own perspective. Like, you know, you use your family's lens and your parents' lens because you go where they want you to go, that kind of stuff. And then going there as an adult again was awesome. And then I got to travel proper because I, I went to like Vegas and Hawaii and um some in new york and cali just like to see what if, if it was the same as i remembered basically um Vegas, new york hawaii on the analytics the podcast i heard in the usa you guys are gonna have to step up because larry pissed off detroit so they're gonna go away now <laughs> and face them Let's go to Canada for a quick second. Is it true yeah. that the currency is dirty? Yeah, yeah, that's what they call it. <laughs> I think it's one of the, the notes, actually. It's like a 20 or something. Something like that, but it's called a loony. Um, yeah, and it's mad because it's got the queen on it. Like I, I was like, hey, what the hell is the queen doing on Canadian money? I thought it was just supposed to be geese and moose or something, but uh, no. You know what's mad about Canada? Um, traveling in Canada is freak expensive. Like, what people do is, you live close to the border because anything north of the border is the North Pole. So they, they travel down to the States, then they travel across the States, and then back into Canada instead of traveling across Canada. So I, I did that once because my aunt stayed in um, on the West Coast and I was in the East Coast. And traveling across Canada would have been almost twice the price of going down to New York, because I was by Toronto, go down to New York, flying to Seattle, then going back up to Canada. <laughs> and everybody does it. They'll go shopping as well. They'll go shopping in the States. So they'll cross the border, buy groceries, and then come back. <laughs> and I was like, that's mad. Uh, it's, a, it's a really cool country, though. It's, um, things work there, you know? Oh, well, they found a way to integrate people speaking English and French in the same country, so I guess things do work. No, they do not like each other. <laughs> <laughs> the French and the English speaking, like native speaking, they're, they're all bilingual though, which pisses you off. So if you go to the French Canada part, uh, the people speak perfect English, but they won't. <laughs> so <laughs> you'll ask, like I just crossed the border, and that's asking for questions or something. And then they're like, I don't speak French. Like, I don't know whatever they say. And then so you're like, in summary, in summary, the French are dicks. <laughs> Universally across the world. <laughs> no, no, no. You know what? I met some really nice French people when I was in, um, in Ghana. Okay. Uh, and I found something out. 
the French people who are dicks, apparently, according to them, are the Parisians, like the ones in Paris. All the other French people from like Lyon, Nice, all those other places, they are actually quite nice people. So I've met some nice French people from not not from Paris, um, but I haven't met dickhead, I mean, nice <laughs> French people from Paris. Bourgeois French people all in Paris, those uppity dickheads. Now the weird thing about the the French um, Canadians is the French that they speak there is different to like France French mainland French. Well, um, Cape Town speak Afrikaans. It's different to Dutch. Yeah, and it's a kind of a similar concept. So what happened was they left a long time ago to you know as slaves or whatever it was to Canada. Yeah. The language evolved in France. But they stuck to like this archaic old French in Quebec, and so apparently it's like this dirty French. It's like like I don't know. <laughs> apparently the French people don't like the French they speak there either. So so there's just a whole lot of hate for those French Canadians all around. It seems. And, and now everybody knows why the French Revolution is literal books long, <laughs> many yeah. novels about it. It's a complex thing. But the irony of the French Canadians is that's where a lot of the cultural events happen in Canada. So yeah. the rest of the country is just this bland, like, blah, like all their food is like, blah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but everything happens like there, like the comedy festivals and that kind of stuff in Montreal. Um, so it's, it's this weird, like, symbiosis between the non-French and the French people where they rely on each other for different things but they don't really like it so I don't know and it's perfect that you mentioned culture and Montreal because that's our culture that so during the timeline you were in Canada around mm -hmm. Montreal did comedy and Montreal interconnect at that stage so, so I didn't I didn't actually go to Montreal. I was, I did go to Quebec, um, Gatineau, which is on the border of, anyway, doesn't matter. Uh, but it was big then. So I watched a lot of comedy when I was there. Um, and I wanted to go to the Just for Lost, but I couldn't at that point because I had this whole other holiday thing planned. And I'm like, mm, do I really want to deal with French people? Answer was no. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, that's the question for everything. Do I really want to deal with French people? <laughs> I've got some good French friends, by the way, so I can... <laughs> um. <laughs> We've covered a bit of Ghana. Um, I remember you mentioned in the last podcast that we did that Ghana symbolizes quite a significant part of you. <clears throat> yeah, so my time... Okay, so, so I said that I spent some time in the States and then came back. Then I moved to Joburg. Then I had a job that allowed me to travel for work, um, particularly across the African continent. So I got to do some work in no, Namibia, <laughs> which doesn't really count. Um, Malawi, Ghana, uh, yeah. Yeah, and obviously South Africa, a lot of different places in the country as well. Um, and the kind of work I was doing on the rest of continent was development work. So it was about helping those countries attract foreign direct investment, 
helping them um, turn around like impoverished areas. Uh, yeah. So we're working with like donor agencies like um, DFID in the UK, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, that kind of stuff. And just, just trying to help with their projects on, yeah, uh, it's called private private sector-led development, but that's essentially the stuff we're doing. So Ghana was my experience where I was full project lead and uh, I was there for quite a few, <laughs> three months. I got sick. <laughs> so when you travel in Africa, you take like this full range of shots and you, depending on like malaria season, you got to take your malaria tablets. Um, I got sick. I didn't get malaria, thank malaria goodness. Yeah, I do Malaria is still malaria, bro. <laughs> like it's still, <hilarious. laughs> but yeah, it's, it's it's like this. It's a big thing, um, but it's survivable because you can take medication for it. In one of the projects, so in the Malawi one, one of the team members caught it, and it's such a funny story because we were all taking our tablets, our malaria tablets. Oh, one was, of the team members caught it, and it's just a funny story. It's, it's, so this is why. So. We were all like being, we were there in, in the, um, it's a red zone. So the parts of the continent, depending on the malaria risk, is like a rag rating, like red, green, that kind of stuff. So we were there in a red zone in malaria season. So you would be an idiot to go to a place like that and not take malaria meds, right? Unless you're from there and you know, you've got another couple of And guys. the idiot was on the team. Exactly. So the one day, <laughs> We had this room that at exactly six o'clock every day, the mosquitoes would start buzzing in the room. We called it mosquito o'clock, right? And that's when we left and then we went to go work from the hotel. So we're like, oh, mosquito o'clock, they're coming in, let's go. And then he made this joke one day. He was like, oh, I'm not afraid of the mosquitoes. You think they're gonna give me malaria? <laughs> and then like a week later, <laughs> he got malaria. <laughs> Oh man, that was. I felt bad for him, but at the same time, you know, it's like, put you, <laughs> you want to talk shit. Now, so. I'm not saying he was a white guy, but. Yes, he was. <laughs> uh, look, he, he, um, he definitely learned his lesson. So he had to get like airlifted to the hospital and all kinds of hectic stuff. And then. <laughs> He was off the project for a while, and then he came back, and then he finished the project. So he he definitely learned his life lessons. And I don't know if you know about malaria, but it's something that stays with you forever. It's like um like herpes, yeah. like always kind of in there, and you oh. can just get it. Yeah, it's hectic. Okay. You don't want to get malaria, but but everybody in the rest of the continent. You don't them, want to get the herpes either. <laughs> but for the rest of the continent, it's like trust me, cold. I know. <laughs> I see you've had some adventures. <laughs> yeah, within borders. Yeah. And then Ghana was really nice because um, I was up in a rural part of Ghana. So in, in Malawi, I was in the Longwe and a little bit of, bit of time in Plantaya. So major capital, like made big cities there. Um, but in, in Ghana, I was in the butthole of Ghana, like up, up, up in the north where the people in Ghana go, why? Would you go there? <laughs> like, well, that's where, you know, the work is, basically. And for everybody in South Africa, think Kimberley. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, 
so yeah, so we went we went there and did the project, and it was a really cool time, man. I got I got the full experience, you know. Got sick, got to do a good project. Um, traveled a bit. I went on a bus. So did you I did I speak? Fun, you are funny guy. The way you brain your the way your brain works. I had the full experience. I got sick, and then you just go on. <laughs> you have to if you're not. Are you so when you when you travel? Do you like go and eat street food and that kind of stuff, or do you stick to like McDonald's and? Uh, better than the better be the devil I know in the bathroom than I want to. Yeah, I I love exploring and trying stuff out, but I've also learned that like especially with street food, you watch them cook it. And if you if you don't like, don't let him take it from some bat in the back because that's just not gonna. <laughs> I've definitely gotten sick like that before. Oh, oh. <laughs> some but, street um, food friends. Yeah, some whatever you yeah, whatever it is. That was when I was in Trinidad with my wife. I got some nasty ass roadside that they loved. They were like, Mm-mm-mm. and I was like, uh, uh, <laughs> I need a moment here. <laughs> Um, yeah. Anyway, where was I? Uh, yeah, I, I have no food. idea. I don't know where we were. We're just, <laughs> we're just go with it. In Ghana, I had the food experience. I got to travel. So I don't know if I spoke about the Hamatan the last time in Ghana, but there's this thing that happened, which is this this haze from the Sahara Desert. It's like um, just this haze that covers the sky. It's basically a very big dust storm, but it covers the skies okay. for months. And it stops travel by plane, so the main city uh, is Accra, and then I was far up in the north in Tamale, in this like butthole of Ghana, and I had some work to do in Accra. And normally we would fly up and down, um, but because of this big hot box haze thing, uh, it gets hot there also. Um, I couldn't fly, so but I, I had some people to interview, so I had to take a bus. I took a 12-hour bus. And we're not talking like Lux Liner or whatever. We're talking like from the movies, you know, where everybody's stuff is hanging on the top and there's chickens and shit. <laughs> like one of those buses. Oh, it, was, it was actually quite like They did have a TV and I watched the Nollywood movie for the first time in my life. That was fun. It was, and the it was, last time in your life. And the last time. <laughs> but to be, to be honest, I would watch it again. It was such a good movie. I was like, yo, I, I still remember some of the scenes. I was like... This is some heavy, heavy shit. Like I never, you would have never gotten me to watch it before. But I'm in Ghana. I'm on this rickety bus thing. There's a TV here. I might as well. It's a 12-hour bus ride. I might as well, yeah. you know, pass it back. So yeah, that was. So, this timeline has gone all over the place. <laughs> so let's get back to South Africa. Okay. And when did it hit you that okay? next move has to be the UK uh, so like a like a good colored uh, my wife is well she was my girlfriend at the time um, and then she became my fiance and then she became the mother of our child um, so when we found out that she was going to be the mother of my child we were like laddie <laughs> She bagged Mac Larry and they created Mini Larry. <laughs> um, yeah, so so she got pregnant and then we were thinking 
like where's the right place to have her um my wife wasn't having a good time in south africa so she was on and it's really hard if you're foreign in south africa to change your visas or to change change jobs because it's usually tied to a work kind of stuff so we had decided to go back to the uk and then finally she was pregnant um, and they were like okay we'll have her there um and yeah so it was it was based on her it wasn't like the uk made me want to go there because i don't like it. i've been before it's dreary let's let's say um <laughs> yeah. but that was the yeah. motivation so in terms of the simulation uh you are you by this time i imagine you're a veteran of travel so going to the uk and to assimilate in the way of life over the i figure like no so even the hmm. so integrating into places is is very much cultural um it's difficult even when i was in canada for quite a long time it's very difficult to integrate into that that place but so that you know you feel like you're one of them um what happened in the uk was i changed jobs became a father and got married all at the same time so there was a lot to deal with at once oh props to you for dealing with it shot man shot um so integrating into uk society was kind of quite low on the <laughs> on the list of oh, yeah, of yeah. the uh, sense. so i ended up hanging out with a lot of like expats uh, some of the african buddies that had gone up there already some french people etc i rode a blade <laughs> so you get to meet quite a bit of people from all over the place um but it's a, it's a, it's a different it's a different society eh? like we've got the whole ubuntu vibe back home yeah like you know i am because we are here it's more like sack <laughs> don't, don't bother me i won't bother you that's like the social contract it's it's different it's just like you know let's all just live in peace separate separate but equal but not but <laughs> that kind of a thing <laughs> it's very classist we're the like, same but different exactly it's very classist with the africans a lot more racist um it's it's just a different place so i haven't i wouldn't have integrated in here i mean i live in the ghetto where there's a lot of people that look like me on purpose because when you go to countries where you're the minority you want some semblance of like home and and those kind of things you know so chose to be in a part of london that is mostly like brown people we'll not say africans or africans but people um people stand yeah just so that on the daily you don't have to feel uncomfortable walking around and in the yeah i mean there's this thuggy thuggish looking thugs out here and they it's not differentiated by color it's like oh well that actually it's a thuggish brown guy and that's a non thuggish one whereas you go to the rest of london and you're that guy <laughs> they're like oh <laughs> yeah Hold on to our. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, 36 minutes has passed. So on this travel podcast, uh, before I take up too much of your life, is there anything that we haven't covered yet that you would like to 
Spende Cup of Winners. Going to Trinidad was quite a fun place. So, um, my wife is from Trinidad and Tobago. She moved here when she was four or something. So she's mostly British, but also has the Trini stuff in the background. Um, <laughs> when she gets upset, you know how it is. Like it comes oh, out. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, no, she's hey lady, where's your punani? My son is at home sick, he needs punani right now. <laughs> she's, she's definitely Trini. Uh, so going there and experiencing that culture was cool. And, and here in the UK, there's a big Afro-Caribbean like mesh. So basically they took like all the black people that they know and then kind of grouped them together. <laughs> Well, you're, you're black and you're from Nigeria and you're black and you're from Jamaica. Same, same, right? Oh. So, so the culture is very intertwined and mixed and I'm, I'm kind of getting into the, the vibe of what that is and what that's like. So it's really cool to go there and, and meet her family and, and see what... They're also like a very happy, very community-focused um, kind of culture. Uh, I, I, I like it quite a bit actually. I want to go back and, and spend some time and get into it because I, I see a lot of similarities between them and us. I mean, they are originally slaves, right, from Africa anyway, so mostly West Africa. But um, but yeah, it was that was a cool culture. Cool and then the East. So I was in, this is just holidays now, this isn't like time spent significantly, but I, I've been to Thailand a couple times. And the one thing about being that side that made the biggest difference to me in terms of travel was when you're in a country where English isn't the first language, when they have a completely different culture in terms of religion and all that kind of stuff, that's when you feel like you've really traveled. All the places that I spoke to, spoke about thus far, they're still very westernized, like English medium, English signs, American culture, all that kind of stuff. You go to the East and it's like another planet all together and I haven't explored much of it my wife has done a lot more than me um, but that's when you feel like you're experiencing travel in another place and it opens your mind and perspectives to things um, so I want to go go back to a couple of places Japan's very high on my list um, I haven't been to Japan but I want to go to Japan just to, to get that full experience of travel because as, as nice as it is to, to go to some other places um, that was the first time in my life that it felt different. You land, you're like, holy shit, where am I? What is this? How do I even deal with, you know, the people in the society? So if, if anybody is thinking about places to go, I'd say 100% choose someplace that's the opposite of what you have at home um, because that's going to be the most expansive. You'll, you'll, you'll learn, you'll grow, um, and hopefully you'll have a lot of fun. And then you can come back and not take all the things that you do and say as for granted and be like, this is the way things are. You can start to learn, this is the way we do things and there's other ways of doing things. And then in that way, you can, you know, be more accepting and understanding of people and races and that kind of stuff. Which is why I always say travel is amazing. Everybody should do it um, if you can, even if it's just out of your town to different towns. Um, but especially if you can get to a place that has a completely different setup to yours, uh, because that's when you learn the most. And that's the perfect way to end. Couldn't have ended it 
én építem. Catch McLary on Instagram is link to his Instagram account will be in the description. And catching on lockdown. Lockdown is a yeah that juggable in lockdown. Yours <laughs> every Wednesday, right? No, no, no. I don't have a fixed slot. I just come in whenever oh, okay. I. Okay, you just jump in. When... Oh, okay, that's that kind of basis. So, catch him on lockdown, lockdown. Catch him on Instagram whenever he does post. And now, I'm going to say this. Thank you for making this podcast happen. Because everybody knows our in podcast and our in videos. Because without you, there's no store. And to Canada, one more thing. Keep it going, bros. Ha, ha, ha.